Ladies and gentlemen, all rise. Court is back in session. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Do. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, the man who prefers hot sauce to hot claws, Mr. Drew Celestino. I mean, that's just good advice for life, really. Hot claws. Hot claws. Hot claws. Yes, this is still a thing. Is it a thing though? I mean, is it is it a thing? Yeah, they're they're rolling with it until the next writer forgets all about it. Hot claws. We've been over this. <laughs> we're we're beating the the horse into pulp. Yes. Here we are back again, sir. Let's get to it. Opening statements. How was your week? Uh nice, nice, good. Uh, we are rolling along on the kitchen. It is uh, about ninety five percent complete. Looks spectacular. It, it, thank you. It, it will be when it's done. For now, it's still a, a matter of painting it and putting up some uh, some lighting that we prefer over the lighting that, that's in there now. Um, it's it's good. It's good. I'm happy. It's it's, it's we're, we're nearing the end of of all of this. Although my basement is still not done, so I better get down there and get on top of that because I need to. Uh, get a new home base established sooner than later so there's there's much more uh labor ahead of me i mean i'm not complaining i still have a rocking chair to sit you in. do but you're not going to in a few weeks you know that i could just bring it downstairs when i record right i don't well, see it's that a, it's not too much of a hassle i'll take care of it. it'll be fine uh-huh yeah T- take 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 the rocking chair away from the nursing wife. <laughs> See how that goes. I'm going to do it while she's nursing. I'm not a monster. You're going to pry that rocking chair from her cold dead hand, sir. <laughs> anyway, that aside, uh, pretty pretty busy otherwise. So had the big uh, gathering on Saturday, the diaper yes. party slash barbecue of, of the season. Uh, new venue this year since this place was clearly... Uh, not suitable for hosting just yet. No. So uh, we had it at my aunt's place, which was great. Big pool. Kids had a blast in the pool, at least. So that was cool. Um, I took a little dip. It didn't seem like too many other people did. But, hey, that's on you. Uh, I put it out there. But I think everyone had a great time. Um, I know I certainly did. Um, so we have, as you saw when you came into the house here, uh, the cityscape of diapers on the yes, table. Yes, you've got like old Gotham City of diapers on your on your table. Hey, I'm grateful. It's you're, also a lot of diapers. You're going to need them. That's the word. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty sweet. But then um, Saturday was kind of half recovery, half cleaning up after that. So uh, took care of business, cleaned things up, um, and uh, pretty much took her easy um by and large uh spent most of the day just cleaning and uh mopping and getting things kind of in a sensible order around here um caught up a little bit on the uh well i caught i mean it's over so yeah i caught up on the end anyway of the g1 tournament over in new japan world yeah who won hiroshi tanahashi won the g1 defeated kota ibushi in the final Oh, my. So, Abushi had to beat Kenny to make the final. Okay. They haven't now, faced one, each other in 10 years. One of those guys is his tag team partner, right? 
that is his tag team partner. Okay, well, I just, I just, yeah, I'm not as versed. And uh, they have not faced each other in 10 years, and they feared that the next time they faced each other, they were afraid to face each other because they almost killed each other the first time, and they feel the need to top that performance. So this was the, the next time. Uh, no one died. Well, there were some great spots, but all things considered, it was a... I think they're I think they're saving some more insanity for whenever they inevitably meet again down the road. Mm. But it was a great match. Ibushi won. But then Ibushi ascended into the final where he met uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace to this day. Um they put on a fantastic match. Uh great match with some really just awesome awesome wrestling, great spots, great storytelling, and Tanahashi has now won his third G1. So now oh. he gets to face the champion, whoever it may be, at Wrestle Kingdom in January. Now, which one, from what I've seen, which one is Tanahashi again? Um, high Fly Flow, the long hair, uh, plays air guitar. Okay. Has a arm sleeve, usually because his the, the rumors of his bicep being torn are always in the air. No one really knows if it's true or not, but we just we just roll with it. This is sort of like the old cowboy Bob Orton thing with the cast. They don't make a thing of it, but I mean, if you read up, like he, he the word is that he injured his biceps some time ago and just never really took time off or let it heal. So it's always a question if if it's legit or not. Which you know, let's face it, in wrestling sometimes that's that's a good thing. Yeah. So I'm all caught up on that. It's going to be fun. A lot of uh, exciting stuff coming down the pipe for uh, for NJPW for sure. And uh, that's really about it. Back at work, we got uh, some cool news at work. Um, my team now gets to uh, dress cash at work, which I've been asking for for like a year and a half since I started. Like every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Unless we have a client coming in, in which case we have to yeah, you yeah. know, put on class the up the joint a little bit. But that's okay yeah. to let me know, and we can make that happen. There's no re- I'm not public-facing. There's no reason I have to put on a monkey suit every day to go to work. I get you. So I don't. I mean, you know, I don't get to wear a lab coat or anything, but <laughs> but I could, it's, and I could just claim it's my style. I will tell you, sir, it's an overrated experience. <laughs> but it's so sciency. It is, but I've no business wearing it. I really don't. See, I feel weird in it constantly. I think you need just to embrace it. You gotta go into character mode. Like you are doctor duty now. <laughs> you get in trouble for doing that. <laughs> No one's going to call you on it. You're wearing a lab coat. <laughs> They'll believe you. All I need is a stethoscope. Exactly. That's yeah. as good as a medical degree. Right, right, right. I'll just be like Chevy Chase and, and Dan Aykroyd and spies like us. Get a, get a, get a vanity plate on your car and, and you know, you're like Kramer from Seinfeld. Like, get, people will buy it. All right. Well, we'll see how this works. Yeah. So how about you? What's going on? Um, this, this is kind of a... It's an all right week. We, uh, we had game night Friday night. It was predominantly... Uh, Dice Forge. Yes, me, you, and Alan, we played Dice Forge again. Um, and then Alan and I, when Jen jumped a little bit, a little bit later, played the game Overcooked 2 on the Switch, which was a lot of fun. And I might go about uh, picking up a copy myself, because I think the wife would really enjoy it. I've heard great things about it. I did but, have to make the, the, the mango salsa, so I couldn't partake, but... Uh, it's very collaborative, is it not? Yes, yes. You yeah. need like the first couple stages. You can kind of go do your own thing and just make sure stuff gets done. Once the stages start advancing, you really need to be organized, just like any like professional kitchen would be. Like person A does this, person B does that, so on and so forth. 
So maybe uh, next game night, one now we uh, we can get Alan to bring it. We can uh, break it out again. And I will warn you, I'm not good at these collaborative games. <laughs> ask <laughs> ask the wife; she'll tell you that I we we don't we don't collaborate in games well. We get it's it's too competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but in this snipper clips, almost caused you know a screaming fight. So <laughs> you know, yeah. But with this game, if you don't collaborate. Nobody wins. That's fine. Same thing with Super Clips. Eventually, you just start getting mad at each other for holding the other one back. Okay. <laughs> I just. All right. They say there's no I in team, but that's a lie. Because <laughs> I'm on the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, we played Dice Forge again. I really like that game. Yeah, that's good. But you and I have the same uh, same complaint about the game. I wish it was just like one or two rounds longer. You could house rule it and make it that way. Yeah, because like once you get your dice really good, the, the game's over. To be fair, now that I know what the pieces kind of do, I, I you you definitely acquire more power, which gives you more strategy early. First, the first time I played it, you know, it was kind of a was feeling kinda, out. Uh, this looks but, good. I'll grab this. Right. This time, I went in with, I knew what I wanted. I knew exactly what I was going for, and I was making it happen. Yep. So that, you know, the familiarity definitely uh, makes those turns count more. Cool. Um, I actually picked up a new game uh, over the weekend at Target, of all places, a, a choose-your-own-adventure game. It's literally like, if you remember the old books, the mm-hmm. box looks like one of the old books, obviously just bigger. It's got all the fonts and everything, and it's basically just like a collaborative choose-your-own-adventure game. Uh, Julie saw it at, on the shelf at Target, and she really like she loved those books as a kid, and so we picked it up, and as soon as, as, soon as we get around to playing it, I'll let you know how it is. All right. When's Encyclopedia Brown going to get a game? Um, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not going to say never because the way the rate board games come out, whatnot, it's sooner or later. Would they have to change his name now to Wikipedia Brown? <laughs> you know, to keep him current with the yeah, kids. Yeah. Internet Brown. Yeah. Google like, Brown. Something like that. Call him GB. Mm, I like Wikipedia Brown. Yeah. But Wikipedia might, you know, get Sue happy. So, Saturday, we had two parties to attend to. We had your function, which was our second function. And then we had um, my friend Jim's daughter's. Her her birth name is Rhea. Okay. But I just call her Ray. And that's all I'm ever going to call her because, you know, Ray. Sure. Um, her second birthday party. So, we uh, we hit that up first. Had a, had a good time. Um, then we made our way over to your party. We brought the guacamole and the the Texas caviar. Um, and then Sunday was just, I think it was, yeah, it was just kind of chill. Uh, Sunday night, I ended up playing some some games with my friend Adam. He brought over this older game called Spirium. It's kind of like a worker placement, steampunk, not like fully steampunk aesthetic, but kind of, um, it was cool. I think you'd dig it. Um, that was a lot of fun and yeah, that, uh, nothing much for Monday. That brings us to today. Yeah, here we are. And dear listeners, as always, if you would like to tell us about your week, send us any questions or comments to the show, you can do so at the following locations. 
You can find us on Twitter. Follow us at Devils Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devils Do Pod and like our page. You can email us at the Devils Do Pod at gmail.com or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devils Do Podcast.com. And Drew, we do have some questions. I would hope so. So, starting off with uh, Mr. Brendan Budnick, one of our younger listeners, says, Hi, Carl and Drew. A couple episodes ago on your Ant-Man and Wasp episode, Carl, you mentioned that time travel is always bad. I would like to bring up the point of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Please explain how that went poorly for them. Well, did you see Bogus Journey? (laughs) (laughs) They died. (laughs) They they did end up dying, which, which... didn't end up so much bad for him because they got to meet the Grim Reaper. He turned out to be a pretty cool dude. And a, and a mean bass player, evidently. Yes, yes. Um, okay, if you look at Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from a time travel perspective, that movie should not work. No. In essence, reality, as soon as they come back to the modern day with the historical figures, reality should either be drastically altered or just collapse in on itself. Well, keep in mind, they do return everyone to their regular times. With knowledge of each other and present day. Maybe they swore an oath to never talk about Doesn't it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're applying time, tra- you're- tra- time travel is like, you've heard the old adage, time travel is like dropping a pebble in a, in yeah, a yeah, yeah, lake. Yeah. The ripples come out. Trying to fix it is like saying you're trying to put the ripples back in where they originated from. It's never going to happen. You're, you're applying logic and reason to an illogical situation. I'm it's, just answering the listener's question, man. It's just a movie. Let it go. I know. It did. Listen, it was the question that was sent in. I'm just answering it. That the time travel in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is flawed. There's no truth in this art. I'm, ju- I'm just saying. I would is, say the time travel soon, in any movie is, is flawed. Is As soon as... Mm, yeah. By that logic, there was like movie, there. Oh god, what anyone? Was, what was one movie? There was one movie that did it right, and they like they showed that it was it was bad. It's Back to the Future too. No, <laughs> but um, no. I'm just answering Brendan's question. But yeah, soon the second Bill and Ted returned the historical characters to their times when they returned back to modern day, their world should have been drastically altered. Given the character, given the significance of the characters that they took out of history and how they changed their perspectives and gave them knowledge of the future, it should have either caused reality to collapse on itself or they would not know the future they returned to. I have a counterpoint. Okay. Since time travel is impossible, none of us really know what it would actually do if we did it. So to use, for you to say that it's impossible and reality will collapse in on itself. We don't know that. We just guess that. I know that. I know it for a fact. Okay. Excuse me, sir. I wear a lab coat to work. <laughs> now you're getting it. <laughs> it, it all comes full circle. All right, Brendan, thank you very much for your question. We appreciate it. Embrace the gimmick. Yes. Now on to the it's gonna be it's gonna be a little little you know tear but timely now on to the heart foundation of the oh come on now they're both alive our listeners that is oh yeah i was about to say like (laughs) 
Sir, are you not current on events? There's I think only, I'm pretty current. There's only one left. Uh, Mr. J. Gelsomino and Mr. Alan Waiters, starting with Mr. Alan Waiters. Carl and Drew, Chris Hemsworth has credited the reboot Ghostbusters for his improved improv and comedic performance in Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War. Do you agree? I haven't seen the reboot of Ghostbusters, so I can't answer those questions. I haven't seen it. I have no interest in it, but uh, given what I know about it, um, yeah, the director just basically turned on the camera and wasted a whole bunch of time and made everyone improv for, like, hours instead of, you know, reading a script. Making a coherent... Yeah. I mean, I can't say for certain again because I haven't seen the film. Yeah, but that's okay. Neither but I also else. haven't seen anything that makes <laughs> me want to see the film. Exactly. Um, I mean, you know, whatever. Chris Hemsworth is a talented but guy. So. at the same time, I haven't seen anything that makes me not want to see the film either. Oh, I have. I mean, it's just, it's it's out there, it exists, and that's... I've seen enough uh, little clips that made me go like, okay. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're, we're good here. We're, we're all good here. All right. Carl. Retro gaming has made a huge comeback. Do you think that lower cost to produce retro games is the cause of its comeback, or do you think older games like older gamers like us uh, missed it for, for nostalgia? I think it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, retro style games, yes, are cheaper to produce, yep. but also, as we've mentioned in the past on the show, trends tend to be generational. So you've got a generation of people in position now making decisions in big companies who are from the generation that grew up with those things. Like when we were kids growing up in the 80s, all like the the nostalgia was about the 50s. Right. Because it's like a 20, 30 years Because cycle, all the people who are making the decisions in those industries grew up as kids in the 50s. So I think it's a combination of it's cheap to produce which doesn't necessarily say cheap in that it's monetarily cheap. A lot of retro games are very high-quality games. Um, and those making the decisions, those wanting to make them, uh, grew up with the originals, so they kind of want to revisit that. And also say that I don't think that uh, retro games are necessarily more popular now. I think they've been popular all along. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a hot minute we've had you know the retro gaming. Over the last decade popular. or so, it's been... A thing. Yeah. Very much so. Any Metroidvania game that goes on Kickstarter pretty much blows, you know, it, it blows away its goal within like a day. <laughs> yeah. You show me 16-bit graphics, I'm probably throwing money at it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not the only one. I always I always do enjoy, though, like the, the 8-bit plus or the 16-bit plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just put the like little bit of polish on it. You yep. couldn't the first time around. All right, Drew. How old were you when you first played Legend of Zelda? How does Breath of the Wild fit into the Zelda timeline? <laughs> okay. Let me... Uh, all right. So we'll address uh, these points in order. I was um, five or six years old when I first played The Legend of Zelda. Um, it was one of the first games I played for NES. But in fact, I actually played Zelda 2 first. Um, because when it came out, the year it came out, a friend of mine um, was very much into the game already, like the Zelda franchise. Him and his father had played the first one. And when Zelda 2 came out, like 2 was brand new, and I, he showed it to me, and then I got that one first. And then after the fact, I got Zelda 1. So that's my little Zelda history there. 
Uh, Breath of the Wild, where does it fit in the timeline? Um, I mean, Isn't it's it pretty obvious to say future? that it's at, yes, it's at the end or in the distant future of the timeline. But the other thing that I'll say is just just don't. Don't concern yourself with the Zelda timeline because Nintendo doesn't. <laughs> Just let it, let it go. <laughs> it's a legend. It's the same story told yeah. over and over again. Differences or commonalities, and just you know, it's 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 a legend. Are we going to tell you from the Legend of Zelda story that you're probably going to hate and it's probably going to annoy you? Um, my friend, a friend of mine, lived down the street. Uh, got Legend of Zelda, and I went down to his house to check it out, and he's playing it, and, you know, it's the classic, you know, sitting on the bedroom floor in front of the small CRT TV, and he's playing it, and, like, obviously you got the theme playing and everything, and I thought it was, like, the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Like, I saw this little guy running around shooting these energy blasts out of his sword. I was like, this is so awesome. It's kind of like He-Man, but instead of turning scared cats into battle beasts you're just blowing stuff up kind of and and then link got hit and couldn't shoot rng blast out of the sword and then i lost interest yeah that's pretty weak of you that's, uh, that's very weak of you actually <laughs> i was like wait wait where where the energy blast go it's a perk uh, of full health which you know means you have to stay good at the game to keep the good stuff no i know i know i know that now but i was a fickle child as we've yeah oh we know discussed. yeah yeah we know <laughs> Hey, but I played Zelda 2. Okay. Still to this date, the only Zelda game I've played. Fair enough. <laughs> as he says, as he grits his teeth. You're, you're lost, man. On to Mr. Gel Cimino. Carl and Drew, I'm not sure if I've ever asked this one before, but what would you put up as some of the worst comics you've ever read? Oh, Wow. Worst comics I've ever read. Well, I did survive the the birth of Image Comics. Yeah, was, <laughs> a lot of so, crap was produced. Uh, so much crap. Um. So yeah, a lot of the Liefeld books are, are just just got awful. I've reread some of them recently just yeah. just to see like were they as bad as my memory tell? Yeah, like, yes, yes, they yes. are. They are bad. But I mean, books I guess that were supposed to be good that I actually found to be terrible. Um. Let's see. Uh, All-Star Batman and Robin, for sure. Yep. That was bad. Yep. Throw that in the trash heap. Um, let's see. Um, it was a very... No, I shouldn't say it was bad. More underwhelming. That Superman arc, um, after uh, after Hush, Jim Lee's next assignment was oh, Superman. Oh, Jim Lee's Superman arc, yeah. That For great. Tomorrow arc of Brian Azzarello. Yeah. It was probably fine. It started good. But like the hype around it was so big that I well, read it. Yeah, it was like, this kind of stinks. I mean, it's Jim Lee. And so it's kind of... it's it's. He didn't write the, it, though. That's, it's, that's, that's it's what I mean. One of the problems with being Jim Lee is like anything you do has to be immaculately good or else it's considered bad because you're Jim Lee. Um, Let's see. Um, There's there's bound to be some Marvel stuff that I just found to be god-awful. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andy Diggle's run on Daredevil. (laughs) That stunk. Reminder's Cap. Reminder's Cap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, I blocked that out. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty terrible. Um, and seeing as he's also responsible for Frankencastle, we can just we can just put Rick Remender. Oh yeah, also his Avengers run. 
Astonishing Avengers. Was that, was that it? The one where, where Red Skull took Charles Xavier's brain? Yeah. 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 Rick, buddy, get out. He's he's clearly terrible with stuff that he didn't create. That people say that his creator own stuff is good. I wouldn't know because I ain't touching it because <laughs> based on my limited Marvel experience with him, you, sir, can you, you go peddle your wells, your wares elsewhere. I, <laughs> I, I want nothing to do with you. Um, I, I think that's uh, a, a decent summation of, of, of books that I've, I've hated. <laughs> Very little has... Uh, I usually I bail out early, so if, it, if it's been if, if it's bad, I, I know enough to kind of get out of it, and then I forget about it. So yeah, um, for me, Spider-Man Clone Saga. Oh, obviously bad. Um, All Star Batman and Robin probably takes the title because when you look at it on paper, it should have been fantastic. Yeah, it should have been. You've got. Frank Miller, the writer who redefined Batman, whose interpretation of Batman is still considered what Batman is to this day. And then you've got Jim Lee, who's probably one of the best artists, you know, in comics history. And you're teaming them up on a Batman title. And just from page one. Yeah, it stunk. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you keep reading it and be like, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. Yeah, no. It, 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 it didn't. It did not. No. And they're giving Frank... <laughs> they're giving Frank Miller a Superman book. <laughs> I will always believe Frank can come back. Okay. I will never not give Frank Miller a chance. Good good, good on you. Shut up. Good on you. Uh, but yeah. Clone Saga and also see Clone Saga didn't start out bad, but it got bad. I think the bad. pivotal moment. I don't. I'm only speaking from memory, but I think the pivotal moment was when not so much if there was a clone Spider-Man. It's when they told you that he was the real Spider-Man all along. They, then they backed yeah. off of that, but there was that moment where it was like everything yeah. you know is wrong. You were yeah, no. like the the signs were kind of happening before that, but that was like the the left turn mm-hmm. that that threw everything off. Oh, off that reminds me. Oh yeah, that Spider Man Rain book. Oh yeah, oh. That was, where they tried to Dark Knight Return Spider Man. Oh, that that's oh that was bad. Oh. That was very bad. That was really bad. Mm-hmm. All right, Drew. Mm-hmm. Long Cold Dark has had a conflict of interest, and everyone has gone their separate ways. Who do you rebuild the Long Cold Dark with, living or dead, from the history of music? Oh God, I, that's not even fair. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't belong in the company of any musical giants that I would name. So, <laughs> I would, uh, if anything, I would rebuild it just by myself. Me, myself, and I. That's not a band that you gonna clone yourself. It's gonna be the Drew clone it'll saga. Just, I'll do everything myself in studio, and then I'll hire guys to play it live. That's, so you'll that's be trying Reznor. Yep, basically. Okay. It's <laughs> it's got a good thing going. I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. When I right. my, when I do stuff myself, it tends to be like very uh, constructive. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's as humble as Drew will ever be. About himself. <laughs> I mean, I like playing with other people. 
they definitely add you know flavor and can take things in directions that you know you wouldn't otherwise um uh, think to go but i definitely like being in the driver's seat of things <laughs> so <laughs> it is what it is all righty carl Someone has had the audacity to recut the scene in Jaws the Revenge when Michael Brody's submarine is attacked. They added CGI shark in lieu of our favorite lion-voiced shark. What movie that used practical effects do you feel will help a movie with current CGI? So just crappy-looking CGI things due to era movie that was made don't count. All right. So I think he's saying I think he's asking here what what film that's got like really crappy effects do I think would benefit from practical effects? Um, J- Justice League. <laughs> wow, J- Justice League. I mean, a, you're not a, wrong. A real upper lip, <laughs> a stiff upper lip. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think most of the stuff that. You would pro- I would probably reference is going back to when CG was really starting to become a thing, and like everybody was doing it, but few people did it right. You know, the Jurassic Parks were few and far between, and the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were far too frequent. Mm. Um, so yeah, anything like mid to late '90s, early 2000s, before they kind of got a handle on the CG. Okay. So, yeah, that's probably where I'd go. But, yeah, Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jay, thank you very much for your questions, and thank you again, Alan and Brendan. That closes the cross-examination and brings us to the case files. And, folks, it's been a light week, so we don't have a ton to talk about. Uh, starting off, Drew, did you, A, know they were making a Star Trek four? Did you B know that they had yet to sign Chris Pine to said Star Trek four? And did you C know that apparently Chris Helmsworth was going to be involved in it too? Okay. So I knew I heard I heard about that before, that, yeah. that they wanted to get Hemsworth back. And and the moral of the story here, folks, is you can't shortchange these guys now. They're big stars. Yeah. And, they, and the film has lost both of them. Yeah. Now, here's the the thing about that. So, you know, Chris Hemsworth w- was kind of birthed onto Hollywood by the first Star Trek reboot. Yes. He played Kirk's father for all of like 90 seconds before he died. Yeah. So if they're like, we can't do Star Trek four without him, I would posit the question. Well, you did two and three without him. So <laughs> what are we clinging to here? Why do we got to bring him back? But those didn't have time travel. Then don't. Then this one doesn't need it either. Then <laughs> rewrite your script. I mean, you know. Yep. Try, and then maybe <laughs> you know. Try, <laughs> and then whatever you were planning on paying him, just give it to Chris Pine to come back as Kirk. That's, That's all. That should be the title of this episode. You know. Dot dot dot. Try. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Done. Um. Yeah. I didn't actually see the third one. Um, into dark, not, into not darkness, really. Uh, uh, into darkness, pretty much killed my desire to see any more of these new, new fangled Trek movies. I didn't hate Into Darkness. Oh, I did. It just felt much more like a Star Wars film than a Star Trek film. 
the 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 evil federation and the big evil federation even with peter weller at the helm (laughs) i love my peter weller but this is just not what star trek's all about and all the action and and spock is beating a guy in the face and it it's con and there was all that subterfuge that it wasn't really con but it was con but it, it like when they were you know filming the movie it's like give me a break we know what it is don't don't insult my intelligence and then it turns out it is con except like i don't know the fan service at the end where swerve bro kirk dies this time it's like oh my god get out of here with this just just what are you doing so yeah that basically killed my desire to see anymore so so not the third one didn't see it and the fourth one um you know they're not gonna do it fine like, honestly, between what they're doing well, they, over... They on haven't the, said they're not doing it. They've simply said that Chris Pine and Chris Helmsworth are not going to be in it. So you don't have Kirk? Have a nice day. <laughs> Goodbye. Sorry, rest of cast. What's the point? Yeah. That's... I mean, I get... Okay, you don't want to... You don't get Helmsworth. Fine. That's something you could just adjust. You don't get... Chris Pine, who... He's the star of the movie. Yeah. I mean, kudos to him for having the stones to hold out because, like, he's... I would argue that he doesn't not need this franchise more than Chris Helmsworth. Chris Helmsworth does not need this franchise at all. No, Helmsworth, no. Chris Pine... Pine works, dude. He's in a lot of stuff. Pine's great. Don't get me wrong. Pine is great. But like he doesn't need it. He's in so many movies. Okay. He's right. he's he's doing Wonder Woman two. He's gonna get banged from that. Don't know how he's alive in that either. By the way, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But uh, spoilers: he died in the first one. Uh, but in any case, he gets work. He doesn't need you know to be to be uh, stuck on the Star Trek thing. You know what? Put Star Trek as a film franchise to bed. Just. It's just uh, you know why because all they're gonna do is they're gonna do what they what they're what they're tempted to do action it up and make it stupid for the masses that's not yeah. Star Trek Star no. Trek is morality plays little morality tales and interesting stories that you can tell with character based stuff slow burn with a little action here and there yep. that's Star Trek so put make five Star Trek shows or whatever on your little streaming service. And make them for the people who care, and make make them make them of of a good, well written quality, and that's all it has to be. It doesn't have to How be many, action movie. The you know a, a space action flick part thirty seven, the trekking. Yeah. It, no. Okay, so I'm trying to think. Minus the Abrams verse. Yeah. How many Star Trek films are there? Well, there was six with the original cast, and then. F- Four. Uh, four with the next generation cast. Okay, so you had one really great movie, one like um, legitimately good con. Wrath of Khan, yes. Khan is a legitimately yes, that is, that is good, a legitimately great, great one. Uh, others, and then you've got like then you've got a huge gap distance from one to the others that you would consider good, which aren't a lot. Uh, Search for Spock is good. Um, Voyage Home is good, even though it's. You know, vastly different. It's still a good little movie. I would, um, I would Home say is terrible. Undiscovered Country is very good. Um, Undiscovered Country is good. And I then, think you I, meant Final Frontier is terrible. Yeah, you just said, said. Voy- No, you said Voyage Home is terrible. Oh, the, oh uh, yeah. Voyage Home is fantastic. Final Frontier is terrible. Um, the and then the next generation movies. Honestly, they're all pretty much 
bad. Even the one with the Borg that everyone likes, it's not a good movie. And here's why. It contradicts so much character stuff from the show that it, I have a hard time watching it. It like the characters are acting irrationally out of character from their characters on the show. Like I like what they did with Picard in that movie, but he was already over the Borg though. If you watched the show, you would know that. So when he was all angry and rageified in the movie, it was just like what who was this guy? What what happened to my Picard and the tea and the in the <laughs> Again, once again, they felt the need to 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 action it up yeah. for the sake of the movie. Um so but yeah, it's it's tough because like you want to see a Star Trek film in the spirit of what Star Trek is, but that doesn't make money. Cause then, they don't do it. No, I know, I know. Then don't do it. I know. Or make them, but make them the way I said to make them, and don't spend as much. It's hard not to spend a lot on sci-fi film. Well, can't help you there. I know. The the don't do Star Trek films is a valid conversation, which, I mean, given what they're wanting to do with Star Trek on the CBS app is, I mean, is is a very possible route they could go. Like, you can make films for the app that don't have the, you know, stakes attached to them that a theatrical release does. This is actually, you, no, you said stakes, and that's a good uh, a good word. Like, this actually could, we, we could delve into a bigger topic, which I, I don't think is the time right now, but do small movies even exist anymore? Yes, but they're harder to find. That's what I mean. Like everything that comes out now, it's got to be the biggest, craziest. It's like an arms race of insanity with with these movies, no matter what they are. Do Especially think, genre movies. No, definitely. Yeah, genre movies. Yes, but do you think you kind of feel that way? Because we're like, po- we're getting to the post summer movie season. It's just been a whole summer of like things that explode. No, it's, this has been escalating for years. Uh, you know, I've said this for this is it's been going on, and it, it and it will continue to go on. Like more stuff's gonna blow up, and and it's more craziness on screen, and more Michael Bay, and and just I no I one think, wants to see guys just you know talking about life and issues and things that matter and character studies and things like that. No, I, we can't have that in a movie. I That's, think you can make a direct correlation between where society is and what is for lack of a better term popular in theaters given how what reality is right now the world we're living in the country we're living in who's running the country people want escapism more when you look back to like you know previous administrations how things were earlier when like more you know you know, the big indie explosion, which kind of like Pulp Fiction kind of helped kick off and things like that. You know, there wasn't as much societal strife going on at those times. Not saying there wasn't any. I'm just saying uh, we have not- so much we have so much crap from reality, air finger quotes reality, thrown in our face 24-7 that I think people are more, they want escapism more. They want fantasy more which is why i think 
the the higher stakes films seem more prevalent. It's not that again. It's not I, that I, small I films. I disagree. I think are, people are just dumb. <laughs> no, I, people aren't dumb. People that's, are very that's dumb. A, that's people are easy, very dumb. That's an easy lazy answer. It's not people lazy. Are it's not a fact. dumb. It's, 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 people are um, very stupid and they want dumb stuff to blow up and that and it's been going on for. 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah, that's could, just... Could, I'm could, sorry. Could, I, I don't agree with any of that. No, statement. you have more faith in humanity than I do. I do. Yeah, I'm... Well, you'll learn. <laughs> no, I hope I never do because then I wouldn't want to pass that on. Yeah. That's... That's... I would never want that outlook on people well, as you're, a whole. You're blaming current events and administrations. Who put them there? Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying people are perfect, but I'm not going to chalk in the entirety whole of humanity up no, and say know, they're dumb we're and cool. stupid things. That's no, no, just we're, that's we're, we're cool. That's but the that's rest lazy. Yeah. Um, so are they mentally? So, but yeah, I think <laughs> the prospect of star prospect of Star Trek films on CBS streaming app holds a brighter future for the franchise than theatrical releases. I agree, and seeing as they want to. They want they I, I, like I said last week maybe week before they want to have new Trek on this app all the time. Okay, good. Focus on that. Yeah. Let don't worry about the movies. And that world's big enough to where it's got a lot of different avenues. Totally. You can explore. Um, it's like the one thing I like about Star Trek that Star Trek has always done better than Star Wars. That Star Wars. Uh, people who watch it now are kind of having a hard time getting accustomed to is, you know, the crew of the Enterprise is not the sun that the world of Star Trek revolves around. This is a, they are a small part of a larger world. Yeah. And whereas Star Wars fans are having a hard time adjusting to the fact that the Skywalker family is not the sun that the Star Wars, Star Wars world revolves around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. I want to see Cisco come back. Long and short, I just <laughs> we're bringing Picard back. That's great. I got my old gray ready to go. Um, bring me back my 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 Cisco punched key once. It just cause it could happen <laughs> if you can convince James Avery, who's kind of a nut bar, to to do it. Yeah, man, I've seen some interviews with him. <laughs> Those are great. He's a he's a character. That guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a. Did you ever see that documentary that Shatner did? The yes. captains. Yeah. Oh, Shatner man, asks him a question. Guy. He just look, looks at him and starts playing piano like it's an answer. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, like I'm like, like okay, this dude. dude's great. Love this dude. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to something that um, much more centric to you than it is to me. Uh-oh. Uh oh. We got our first look this week at. Doom Eternal. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm just going to let you go, sir. What'd you think? What can I say? Just inject, inject it into my veins. <laughs> I need it, and I need it now. Doom is a beloved game by me. I love the originals, and they, they are the reason why first-person shooters uh, became such a prevalent genre in the 90s, and it's developed, you know, then Doom kind of went away as the genre evolved and went into different directions so when it came back it came back strong like i I can't i'm still in awe of how excellent the doom uh reboot was a couple years ago and uh doom eternal is its sequel and like doom 2 before it in the 90s doom eternal is like hell on earth so i i kind of want to be called doom road trip 
Um, <laughs> it's not a road We're trip. We're finally but- leaving Mars. We're coming to Earth. Well, they came to Earth, like I said, they came to Earth in Doom 2. So they're doing it again, except this time, like, it's, you know, with all the power and horsepower that modern computing can, can uh, avail you. So it looks bananas crazy. More weapons, more enemies, um, more accessories, which I'm excited about. So, like, you have, like, a shoulder-mounted flamethrower now. Yeah. You've got gauntlet weapons for more melee and a grappling hook, which I'm excited about. I wanted to about. ask you about that because in the gameplay, that was the one thing I kind of bumped up against only because it's, I don't want to say trope, but it's become very overused in a lot of first-person shooters. The whole, like, grappling to like either wall run and jump or you know well, scale what things. game did that first was it um uh, titanfall Mac-1, titanfall titanfall, right. titanfall then, did um, it and then a whole bunch of the call of duty games adopted yeah, it yeah, yeah, i yeah, think yeah. maybe one or two of the halo games adopted it and now well, it just seems like i was kind of hoping doom would be better than that Doom is better than that. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, it will be better than that. It it and Bethesda are going to make it. If if, if 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 it's just like, hey, we made the first game again with bigger levels and crazier stuff. And oh, here we sprinkled in some new toys for you. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, you're, so you're telling me it's the same. Yes. You, but, you, but you added more. Yes. Okay. You, you I'm ha- okay with this. You have a lightsaber broadsword. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you had the chainsaw and the... Um, the chainsaw, more you know, specifically in the uh, in the first one, which was like you know you had you had to get gas cans for it. It wasn't like in the original game where you could just like use it as a melee weapon infinitely. In in remake, you had to get, you had to have gas for it, and if you had enough gas, the bigger the enemy, the more gas it would take. But it was basically a one hit kill weapon. But it would use you could only use it for as much as yeah. you had, and, and, and gas cans were hard to find. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to bet that that lightsaber broadsword is kind of the same thing, if I had to guess. So now they also announced that we will, in fact, get one for the Switch. Yeah. Are I'm, you getting both? I'm probably going to double dip on this because, <laughs> it's, because it's Doom and I love it that much. But right. if I had to pick one, I would probably opt for the Switch version, actually. That is, that is disappointing, but yet not surprising. Number one, want to support the Switch. Number two... Doom on, the first one on Switch is a, a, a marvel of, of technology, <laughs> and I played through it. And honestly, uh, if you didn't, if if you're not a, a, a texture snob or whatever, like you're not looking at looking at the screen, counting pixels and things like that, it plays just like the PlayStation version. I mean, there's some hiccups later on when there's more enemies on screen. You do get a little frame rate hit, but. I thought it played basically identically to the PlayStation version to the point where I was clearing certain challenges um, faster than I cleared them on the PlayStation version. So, Do you, Is the Switch version the same street date? I, that's the question. I don't know. I, I, if it is, awesome. I don't know if it is. But because if, if it is the same street date, which would indicate that they were developed together at the same time. Could be. This game switch version may be even closer to the console version than the previous genera- the previous one was well i mean this the previous one was very close to the console version in fact because they had all that extra time um the studio that does that conversion uh i want to say they're called um oh it's gonna kill me now it's not play dead uh, is it dead play no panic button 
panic button okay. software. These guys are like the Switch conversion masters. They've done a bunch of games now that they've converted from PlayStation to Switch. And with each one they do, they learn more and more about how the Switch operates. And they have figured out a lot of creative ways to make it run. And no, and, and, and unless you're really, really savvy, you won't pick up on what it's doing to make it indistinguishable from the PlayStation version. So, like, I guess from what I heard, because uh, I didn't play the Switch version because I was bored by the PlayStation version, uh, Wolfenstein 2. They did that conversion as well, and apparently that was even better than the Doom conversion. And, the, and again, I thought the Doom conversion was great. So those guys seem to You didn't to have, get Wolfenstein 2 for Switch, did you? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But the, no, I just, I just couldn't... Because re- I remember you not being too thrilled with I got it for PlayStation because it was available first on PlayStation. Yeah. And then it came later to, to the Switch. And my point was that the same guys did that conversion. And the reviews all stated, like, this thing runs even better than the Doom conversion. So these guys clearly know they're getting better with the architecture. They know how to port stuff. Cool. And the Doom engine, um, if it's like the first Doom engine, is very, very scalable. And I think they'll do a great job. So that said, I'll probably double dip anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's Doom, man. I don't care. Listen, man, you're talking to a guy who's bought I don't know how many versions of Street Fighter. There you so go. You're, you're not, you have no reason to be, to be shy about buying multiple versions of the same game we're living in we're living in a, in a glorious era where doom is back and it's awesome so i'm nice. just gonna i'm just gonna did I'm, did they announce a street date no okay no street window couldn't tell you all right whenever whenever it comes out okay i'll be there <laughs> that's what's important here okay last uh news story of the week uh, as we know, the the Disney purchase of Fox is going through. And it's going to be a thing. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Disney said that they are going to release all of Fox's finished films. Define which, finished. Well, I think they, there's probably a certain percentage of post-production that has to be. You at least got to be in the can. Okay. As far as principal photography goes. Um, this will probably include... Um, X Men, whatever. Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. Um, New Mutants. I'm not sure like where they are in production. So I know they delayed, it, but they delayed both of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I mean it. It makes sense for Disney to release them. Essentially, free money for Disney. If unless it, they have seen the what what's unless they have seen the current state of them and to think you know. Yeah, but they didn't pay anything to make them. No, but it could. So even if the movie bombs at the box office, it's still, you well, know. bombing at the box if office. If X-Men makes $20 million at the box office, that's $20 million Disney gets that they didn't have to pay out to make. Yeah, but if it kills interest in the franchise, you've done, the, you've done harm to the franchise, which could bite them later when they decide to make their own. You, you think that a terrible yes. X-Men film. Yes. Coming out, yes, without the Marvel Studios logo on it, without being introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, yep. would hurt a future X Men. Depends how how soon if they want to get the X Men rolling back on track soon. I say, don't let Phoenix out. Sit on it. Don't let it out. You do yours and trumpet it as being yours when when it's released. All right. Don't release an inferior product into the market and 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 just don't don't do don't do it. Do not do it. It's right. going to do harm, and you you don't want that. 
Well, seeing as they'd have to go a long way to beat Last Stand. <laughs> that's that's kind of like I mean, that's I that's the the gold standard of crappy X Men. It is films no, it right absolutely there. is. But I feel like Apocalypse kind of it was threw, not, threw some water on the whole thing too. It was not worse than Last Stand. Maybe not. It, but, but, but see, I think Apocalypse I, wasn't bad. It was just it, it just happened. It was room temperature. It was <laughs> it was there. Like okay, white rice. Yep, on bread. <laughs> but I like white rice. So do I, but, you know, put some, yeah, put it some was gravy just, on there or something. <laughs> it had, like, some little moments here and there, it was just, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't Last Stand. Last Stand, no, was, I mean, yeah, yeah, Last yeah. Stand was horrible. Wolverine Origins. <sighs> What's worse? <laughs> mm, uh, I've still got to give it to Last Stand. Okay. Because as bad as Wolverine Origins is, you still have Hugh Jackman as... Wolverine and Leave Schreiber was a really good saber tooth. Things you never thought you'd say in your life. <laughs> yeah, at this point, there's not much of that. I don't think I'd ever say. Um, yeah, yeah. Last stand. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. I so I think they should. If they're not confident that it's going to be really, really, really strong, then just don't don't bother. If if you're if you're taking this franchise over and you are and you and you know they. Kevin Feige can tell me ten times all day that oh I haven't thought that far down the road yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Pull the other one, Kevin. He's got ten scripts in a drawer right now for when this day was going to come, Mister President. We've got four plans exactly. here. Exactly. He knows exactly what he's going to do. I was elected to lead, not to read. So yeah, if if you're, I don't know. I I think. Yeah, they have nothing invested, so it's not going to cost them anything. Yeah, but they also have nothing invested, so who cares? Yeah, they, they, could, they, they could say, "Hey, this was this was your mess. I, we we don't care." I mean, if they're if they're planning to reestablish uh, Fantastic Four first and then bring an X Men later, then I would say go ahead and release Dark Phoenix, and they may, um, or they might figure we're losing all the we're losing all the principles probably next year. We're not totally sure who's going to carry in the Avengers franchise into the yeah. next era. Maybe we should have the X Men at the ready. <laughs> Pull that yeah. trigger. You know, I since since we do probably have a shorter episode uh, this week, I do want to ask one thing. So, Infinity War comes out on disc today. Yeah, I, I'm here. I am not getting it. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't got out there. I haven't gotten it either. I still yet to watch my Black Panther disc. That's I'm a bad fan. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this: Beyond Infinity War, mm-hmm. with the way media is kind of going, and with you know, we've got the Disney streaming service coming out. Everything's going to be available on that. Do you really see yourself buying the physical discs kind of beyond Infinity War? Yeah, I'm a collector. It's in my blood. Okay. <laughs> I can't help it. I was thinking about that on the way over. I was like, do I really? I love Ant-Man and Wasp. Do I really need to own Ant-Man and Wasp? I love a lot of my favorite i have i i buy because not say you can't go back and buy it no no but i mean you know i love comics and i don't love all my comics but i still have all my comics i i I can't part with them i have a hard time parting with them i'm a collector man you gotta learn how to part with some of those man because it makes moving stuff around real easy oh i dream i dream of the day when i can parse and just here go away (laughs) I think there's going to be a big uh, purge happening 
sooner than later. You've been singing that song for a little bit of a while. Time is short, man. I, but the, heart, <laughs> the heart is willing, but the effort it takes is like, okay, I got to go up there in inventory. Then I got to go on eBay and I got to probably do a, compu- a completed items search, figure out the going rate, take pictures, upload pictures, hope it sells. If it does, pack it well, go to the post office. It, it, like, See, if you're just trying to purge stuff to make space, then just purge stuff. No, 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 no. No, you're going to give me fair market value for my purging. <laughs> That's I how think, I purge. I think you and I both know as comic book collectors, you never get fair market value for your books. Some, I need something. Something. <laughs> Show me some love. Give me, give me, you know, something. Yeah. I can't just give them away. All right, um, that's. I think that's all the news we have, unless you've got something. Um, remember how we? I think we discussed uh, who gets to play RoboCop in the, in the, in the mo- new movie. Yeah, uh, Neil Blomkamp was asked on Twitter who yeah. he would like who he would like to play RoboCop in the new movie. Who would he say? He said Peter Weller. <laughs> <laughs> and based on the concept art that for his unmade Alien movie, um, I'm convinced that Neil Blomkamp doesn't know how old the leads of those movies are now. <laughs> I think he thinks it's nineteen like ninety two, and not two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, you know, they could de-age you. They can. Like hey, you said, it's just a mouth. It maybe yes, maybe maybe they do. You know what? I hope they don't do. What? I'm worried that they will do. What? Fully CGI RoboCop suit. Mm, yeah. See, here's the thing, though. Like, they're going to be tempted by watching, you know, Infinity War and how they do it with Iron Man and Spider Man. No, no, I get and, that. And and you know, yeah, I want to see a guy in a suit. The one thing that the reboot got right, with the exception of Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton's always right, um, is the mobility of RoboCop. Okay, because. I have a hard time believing tanky RoboCop in a modern film. Really? It's not that I have a hard time believing it. I'm not finding it like I'm not saying if he's tanky RoboCop, I'm not going to watch it because we both know it's a dirty, rotten, filthy lie of the devil. Um, But it's like it worked back then. I'm not sure how much it would work now. I think it would still work. I mean, I don't see walking bipedal robots now. I mean, you I've, don't. Seen, I've seen those Boston Dynamics four-legged dog <laughs> ones running around. That they're kind of scary. <laughs> but like, so that, so this is what I'm going to be running away from in 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, then I see like their bipedal one, and like you know, he has to like walk very slowly and deliberately. All the motions yeah. are very deliberate to pick things up, and you know, so machines are. At a certain level, and it depends where you know what era this movie is taking place in. Yeah, I mean, find a find a nice middle ground between sure. tanky and reboot. Okay, I'm fair with that. I mean, yeah, yeah, Give a little bit of an upgrade. It's, yeah. it's so iconic, though, man. The rock I know, and the it's sound like, I, know, the, you know. I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like. If they do the story where it's... Guns the, are bigger now. Yeah. So, if they do the story I'm going to have a hard uh, time believing you know, he can repel any type of armament. Um, he, he couldn't before. We never saw him get hit with the Cobra gun. Um, 
in two. I mean, it wasn't a Cobra gun, but the cannon on RoboCop 2 that shot him messed him up pretty fiercely. Dented, yeah. dented the crap out of him. As you said, it wasn't a Cobra gun. Well, the Cobra gun blew up at 209. It did. It Left did. nothing but chicken legs. Um, it just depends. If it's if it's 30 years after the originals, um, then yeah, I would, I would assume in that world, technology would have come along. <laughs> so I just got a funny image in my head. Uh, a mama ATST and a daddy ATST with little baby Ed 209. Aw, <laughs> just put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> All right, uh, Drew, it's time to do something we have. It feels like a long time since we've done it, but it's time to rustle the papers. It has been a while. You're not rustling. I'm rustling in my head. I'm going through my files. All right. There was no time for there was no time or space for notes today. So it's all, <laughs> I watched the episode, but it's all up here. You're gonna have to walk me through. Okay, a bit. folks, we're finally getting back to Jessica Jones. We're on episode five. I thought we were. We're at back. Least, I thought we were at least on seven. No, so did I. But no, we're not. Just, I saw five. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's gonna be a while. On show, the plus show, side, folks, on the plus side, I folks, feel like I know sh- what the poll said. The show's gonna go through a change in the foreseeable future. Eh, we'll see. How, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um. On the plus side, I feel like the show, the the Jessica Jones, has taken a a, a a slight turn, upturn. Yes. Now, have you finished the season? No, you haven't. No, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm so live, baby. Oh, you're live. Okay, all right. So then, week then. to week, it's all it's real, real reaction and yep. emotion. Yeah, yeah. All right. So episode five, uh, I didn't write down the title. I believe it's called the Octopus. Yes. Okay. That much I know. Yes. So. We find it opens up with Jessica in a cell, and Jessica does not do good in enclosed areas. No, but this cell clearly is a little bit stronger than a normal one, right? Yeah, yeah, and she puts that to the test by punching it. Um, going, kind of getting back into this now, and, and just thinking of this episode as a whole, we see Jessica go through a little bit of changes this episode. I think all the characters are kind of going through changes. Yeah, this, this is kind of, this signi- signals kind of like a shift in Jessica because her her crap kind of gets put on front street to her by Hogarth. Yeah, and she's in a bind and she has to kind of she's, she's got to change her, she's forced to change her ways a little bit. Yeah, she's forced to rely on others. Yes. Which is like the one thing she hates doing. Right. Um the she if you know if she had her way, she probably would just be self-reliant, not have anyone in her life at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we see kind of that change from Jessica. We see Malcolm becoming much more assertive. Yep. And, and really growing into his role as a, air quotes, associate right. of Alias Investigations. Um, we see we see an interesting turn from Trish. We do. Not one, necessarily a good. One turn. good, one not so good. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of, um, we find out that, oh, what's his name? Not Malcolm. Uh, Ian? No. Trish's yeah, guy? Trish's guy. I forgot his name, but uh, Griffin? Um, Griffin. Griffin. Yes, thanks. Gryffindor. Um, we see that his snooping in earlier episodes was to set up an elaborate yeah proposal yeah um how do you feel let me ask how do you feel about public proposals i that's how i did mine that's how i did mine too here's the thing i was very confident in a yes yeah i i, I was too i i feel like griffin here um 
he kind of yeah, little, little presumptuous. Well, yeah, a little bit, a little, little bit. presumptuous on that. And I'm sorry, but but Trisha's mom and Jessica's adopted mom, she is a cancer. Uh yes, she, I find she is a that cancer I cancer in both their lives. I hate her a lot. Yes, <laughs> like as much as I have ever hated a TV character. <laughs> yeah, I really dislike her. It just every time she shows up, I just I. Mm. That's okay because in this episode, Trish finally had enough of that and gives her a slap. Give her gives her a good like good old fashioned Batman to Robin slap across the face. Slap across the face, and you know, in that moment, I was just like, "Good, finally, stop taking this woman's crap. She has ruined her life, or at yeah. least tried to many times over." And Trish asserts herself over her mother and slaps her in the face. Hey, good, but it seems. That Trish, uh, who has addiction problems in the past, has found a new drug. Yeah, she's down with the 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 new cuffer thing, one that won't uh, sting or bite. Whatever it's called, uh, the the, the well, thing was, that Nuke was huffing. I was thinking of the Huey Lewis and the News song. I want a new drug. Ah, I don't remember any of the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, you got that part down. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so um, that's not good. Well, Trish, Trish, I think wants. I don't think she wants to feel superior to anyone, but I think she she wants to feel on equal ground. Yes, and the one mountaintop that she can never get on equal ground with is Jess because Jess has powers. Well, that and also, like she says to her mother before she whaps her in the face. She 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 did, she turns down Griffin's proposal. Yeah, not publicly, of course, at privately after the fact, and she tells her mother she doesn't want Griffin per se. She wants to be him. She wants his job. She wants to be seen as a legit yeah. journalist. So yeah, and then like so she has an inadequacy feelings about her profession, and like you just said, she feels inferior or inadequate next to Jess physically. Yeah. So her relying on this drug now give kind of puts her on a level with with jess anyway yeah and i think like the description the more and more i think of it the description of trisha's mother as a cancer in her life is very apt because like we think about cancer you can treat it and it can go into remission but it's never like 100 percent gone right so it can always come back sure so hopefully now trisha's mother is going into remission and- i got a feeling she'll be back in, yeah. a, in a really bad way um, we get more in depth on the antagonist of this. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like it's the doctor that kind of that Jessica remembers waking up to in in the hospital. Yes, he, he gets he looks kind of like Michael Parks, but not really. Yeah, he gets okay. introduced towards the end of the episode. I was referring more to the uh, piano smasher. Ah, her. Yes. True. Okay. True. Hey. Quick parenting tip. Yes. Um. You know when you have your child and they are teething, it's yes. gonna suck. Yeah. I'm not lying to you. It's gonna suck. You're gonna find things to kind of soothe the kid. You're gonna find what works. You're gonna find what doesn't. Baby Tylenol is a wonderful invention. One thing I would not recommend is taking your child over to a random stranger's house because the child likes the sound of the piano. Yeah. And then letting said stranger hold the child. Yeah. You're going to have to establish those boundaries with people. Who gets yeah. holding rights and who doesn't. 
I speaking of presumptuous, uh, yeah, that woman was very presumptuous. Like, oh my, my kid likes your music. Can we come in? It's like, lady, I don't know you. Get out of my house. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> and take your baby what? with you. You don't know this person. You're taking your baby over there. I Not to mention, she kind of has the crazy eyes. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. And the, and the crazy, I haven't really brushed this hair in four to seven months look about her. <laughs> so maybe bringing your, your infant over there is a bad idea. Maybe. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't crazy about that. But you see. And then, like, and then she's playing the piano. She's like, sure, I'll play the piano for your kid. Okay, how nice. But then the kid starts screaming and crying, and, like, the woman visibly is getting annoyed. Like, yeah. okay, your kid's bothering me. I'm trying to play a piano, but the kid's getting... And so she starts playing the piano louder, and the mother's sitting there like, what's wrong? What's the matter? What, like, is everything okay? It's like, look, lady, your kid is loud and obnoxious. Do the math. I'm playing louder yeah. because I don't want to hear your kid. Maybe take your kid and leave. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. I wasn't crazy about. It that. was a bit bit. Uh, I'm not even a parent yet, and even I know like <laughs> yeah, this, this is not there's, smart. There's common social <laughs> sense. Yeah, this is not good. Stranger danger, mom. Stranger danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that piano got tore up. Yeah, it's, it's, I haven't seen a piano smash like that since the Nine Inch Nails Woodstock '94 performance. <laughs> <laughs> was it a pan- was it a piano of the same make and model? No, it's there were keyboards, but they were equally smashed and destroyed. Okay. Uh let's see here, what else we got? I mean I like this episode. It was Twas good. I, okay, so meanwhile we've got what's her name? Um Inez. Uh, yes. Okay. The the witness. The witness. So we're gonna dump her off on Hogarth, right? <sighs> Knowing what we know about Hogarth, is it wrong of me? To, like, have serious questions about her motivations for taking in this young girl. Well, those motivations become clear at the end. Oh, okay. Well, because right now they're a little, like, creepy. I think at this point, if Mephisto showed up on her front door and said, I can cure you, there's no price Hogarth would not pay. Sure, sure, sure. But have we established that Inez can be cured? Is she like some kind of healer or something? Did well, remember she, because, you know, it's been a while since we... Been a while. Yeah, you got to refresh we, me here. Yeah. Um, she had like severe injuries, like, oh, you know, okay. big shards of glass through her back and whatnot. Gotcha. Yeah. See, all I remember is Hogarth in... in, in prostitutes so <laughs> taking in this young girl that's vulnerable makes me kind of feel like you're gonna do something really inappropriate to this poor girl well right now she wants the the information okay from well igh all right well i, and, hope, I and hope that again hogarth is hogarth does not intersect with jess a lot this season well, she that was a couple times so far she has a couple times but like especially when you compare it to last season uh, Hogarth is kind of on her own story. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's I get that. It's a good that. story. So, um, I'm trying to just looking at my notes. Jess Trat. Well, Jess traces through some some subterfuge, and going to posing as Clarice Starling, interviewing that guy in the cell. David. She she finds the doctor, and he's not alone at the at the aquarium. By the way. 
So clearly the people whoever made Ant-Man, or Ant-Man, I'm sorry, Aquaman, they saw this episode. And th- <laughs> I want an aquarium scene. With an octopus. With an octopus. And I want a scene where the glass cracks. I've seen this episode of Jessica Jones, and I want this in my trailer. <laughs> okay, James Wan, you can have it. Anyway, um, so she traces him to the aquarium, and he's there, and then crazy hair lady who smashes piano shows up. It's crazy and, hair piano smasher. Right. As we That's our ca- in-ring persona. As we are calling her. Not Aunt Jackie, in other words. Um, and they start, like, making out, and it's weird. Yeah. Because she's kind of nuts. <laughs> Well, you know, nuts can be attractive sometimes. Okay. Yeah, stay away from the crazy chicks, man. That's life advice. (laughs) (laughs) And Jess gets made. Yes. And crazy piano smasher. So Netflix clearly cheaped out here. She punches the glass. We get the CGI crack in the aquarium glass. Yeah, that was... Cut to black, then we hear it. Really, we, we couldn't spend a minute just just have like a wall. Just, you, I don't even get, you know. I don't, I don't need to see much. Just a scene of the water exploding out of the glass. Nobody wants to see fish die. Nemo and Dory were. They could be CGI fish. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It, I mean, I didn't bump up against. We're that spending all, some money yeah. on this show, right? That's fine. Um. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's, that's kind of Jess. Also, kind of like you said, she she starts to rely on other people, and she also gets to. Uh, I think in the moment when she shows up to the engagement party that she wasn't necessarily invited to. By the way, yeah, yeah. Um, rather than put her need for Trish at the forefront of that, she lets Trish have yeah that. that moment for herself she she recognizes that whereas there is a place for her in trisha's life there's not necessarily a place for her in that current environment or at, le- at the very least that this time is not the most critical time to yeah. take care of whatever you need she's yeah she'll she'll get back to you yep that's growth for jess that is so and for this character any growth is <laughs> is growth yeah so yeah we're moving along yeah it's a if I remember correctly, uh, business picks up for a couple episodes. Well, all right then. All right. So that that does it. That was like, what, 10 minutes of the show? We hey, we're, we're sticking the format. <laughs> it's all that matters. All right, folks, we appreciate you joining us again this week. If you would like to send us any questions, comments to be read right on the show, communicate with us in any way you can do so with the following. You can go to Twitter and follow us at Facebook or at Devil's Due Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod and give our page a like. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com or you can find all of these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Due Podcast.com. That being said, Drew, any closing thoughts? Go watch the Doom Eternal gameplay footage. Trust me. <laughs> much, much boom, much, much blood. Yes. <laughs> and lightsaber broadsword. And an awesome Mick Gordon soundtrack. That soundtrack, though. All right, you folks. We will talk to you next week. Court is adjourned.